0: The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off The Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device to listen to us anywhere in the entire world. You can also stream the show live on the web at radiolex.us. Amber Turner and I are both broadcasting from the Deborah Hensley Studios here at Radio Lex on North Limestone. It is August the 18th, 2022. Amber, how are you? Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's beautiful. It's August. It's hot. And we're doing the thing we love. Yes, and very much so. I have been busy today. Have you? School started back. And oh, man. I had to do some driving. And... Today, I had to use my GPS because I got turned around. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, when I was using my GPS, I said, thank God for this piece of technology. Oh, yeah, A GPS. We've talked about... The Greatest Inventions Before. Yeah. A GPS has to be on that list. Oh, easy. Because back in the day, people used to pull out maps. The big old travel maps, The big yeah. old travel maps. And then remember when MapQuest oh, came out?
0: Oh, that was...
1: MapQuest changed the game. Oh, I was flying big time then. MapQuest, I mean, they had such a monopoly on, on anything else that was cool because that was just so useful. <laughs> well, you have to be able to get places, and they gave you good, fast directions. They They did. And then once the GPS came out, then then MapQuest went uh, just belly up. Kaboom. Went kaboom. <laughs> and it made me start thinking of all the technology that at one point in time was just really good. It was just on, on top of the world at one point in time, like MapQuest. And then all of a sudden... Its ultimate fate was failure. Oh, yeah. Like Napster. Oh, come on. Do you remember (laughs) Napster? (laughs) Yes, I do. Was there a more bigger streaming service at the top of their game than Napster?
0: Oh, RIP to every computer I had for a while because my
1: brother thought he was the Napster king. But then Napster had to end up, they got sued, so they ended up having to make their service subscription-based. Oh, yeah. And because of that, they went belly up because other things come out. And uh, how, how did they get around it? Because there were other streaming services that came out that were free, too.
0: Well, so I think what it was, and, you know, maybe somebody can correct me, but people could get on there and upload these files, and then you downloaded them from other people. That's what made them free. Right. But, like, what you were getting with all that was you were getting viruses, and, you know, your computer would crash. And then the artists obviously weren't getting paid. Yeah. So there was no tracking because it was just people
1: uploading. Yeah, and it it makes me think of of like the BlackBerry. Oh, my word. The BlackBerry, yes, it still might be around in some shape, form, or fashion, but it's a shell of its own self. Not like it
0: was. No,
1: that was the first phone where you could literally use the internet.
0: You could do everything on it. Email, Mm -hmm. and they had that keyboard, just
1: like a computer.
0: Uh, (laughs) Every BlackBerry owner let you know they had a full keyboard, too.
1: But, you know, that ultimately, I think, was their downfall. Fall because when iPhones came out with the touchscreen and that mm-hmm. revolutionized everything, people were wanting that, and yeah. and BlackBerry refused to go to that type of model. And no, they were still bigger and bulkier, and no, the iPhone was just cleaner and sleeker. What about what about? Here's another piece of technology that was at one point in time very successful, on top of its game, but but it ultimately failed. What about AOL, <laughs> American Online? Please tell me you remember AOL. That was essentially the first internet browser. You've got mail. All right. Was that AOL? It
0: was. You saw there yeah, you go. you there was, got mail. There was a
1: whole movie. Yes, yeah, about AOL. About AOL. Yeah, you've got mail. And then there was faster things that come out, like Google and mm-hmm. Hotmail and then Bye Bye. Ash no Ash Jeeves. AOL not Ash Jeeves. No, no. They put, <laughs> Google put them out. Oh, absolutely. Because don't you remember Ash Jeeves was at one point in time huge? Yeah, it was one of the bigger ones. What about what about uh, Segways? Segways, like the things you ride, yeah, the little things you ride. Because yeah. I feel like that in the mid two thousands, those were starting to grow <laughs> everywhere. Mall cops had them. Yes, uh, people were security guards used to drive them around, mm-hmm. and then comes the hoverboard. Oh goodness! And the hoverboard just takes out the Segway, and really, a Segway is a lot safer than a hoverboard. Right? At least you have a handle. And you on got Segway. something to hold on to. But it's, it just kind of went. It went belly up. Yes. What about what about the Sega Dreamcast? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember how big at one point in time the Sega Dreamcast was, and then all of a sudden it just fell through the cracks? Yes. What about TiVo? TiVo. Yeah. Oh man, it was so popular it became a verb. I know. I'll TiVo that later. I'll TiVo it when I get I'll TiVo it for later. So if if do you remember TiVo? I do.
0: It, I, I was never rich enough to have the little thing that you know. I think when they first started, they were boxes, it, weren't that's they? That's exactly
1: what it was. Yeah. It was a box that they would send to your house. You'd plug it in, and you could record stuff off your TV. And what was special about TiVo is it was before DVR. Oh yeah. It was before any type of cable service had any type of recording device. So Tivo was the thing to have. When I look, the big thing I remember about Tivo is
0: in the hills Spencer Pratt kicked Heidi's sister Holly out because she erased his TiVo.
1: <laughs> and that was the kicker. She couldn't stay there anymore. And that would that would drive me to kick somebody out of my house. If <laughs> I was letting a house guest stay with me yeah. and they kick me out of the house, or I, or they erase my TiVo yeah. with all the shows that I <laughs> wait weeks to watch because stuff stays in my recording system boxes forever because I wait to watch them. But if I, was, if I knew I had it in my box uh-huh. and I looked and I was ready to watch it and it <laughs> Wasn't there no more. <laughs> well, we <laughs> may, know What
0: happened to Holly? <laughs> may God have mercy on your soul.
1: Yeah, she got kicked to the curb. Uh huh. Yes, but uh that just made me start thinking about that. I was, and it just derived from just driving around, having to turn on my GPS. I was like, thank God for uh, pieces of technology like this. Oh, absolutely. Be lost. All right, Amber, we have an announcement to read here. United Healthcare invites you to free laundry day this Saturday, August 20th, from 4 to 7 p.m. This community event takes place at North Lime Laundry, located at 1003 North Limestone Street. Community members will receive a $10 voucher from North Lime Laundry, along with detergent and dryer sheets. Bluegrass Community Healthcare will be on the site providing COVID vaccines, dental varnishes. What's a dental varnish? Maybe a cleaning. The varnish is a clean. And health screenings. Kona Ice Truck will offer free flavored ice. Black Soil will give away free product boxes. United Healthcare will have resource table where you can register for prizes and receive health and community resource info. So there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show ahead of you, so stick with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> now. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Bakes here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. For the last several episodes, Amber and I have been discussing the greatest one-hit wonders of a particular decade. We have discussed the best one-hit wonders of the 2010s, the best one-hit wonders of the 2000s, of the 1990s, of the 1980s. Last week, we did the 1970s, and ladies and gentlemen, we will be closing out the best one-hit wonders today, because we are going to discuss the greatest and best one-hit wonders of the 1960s and 50s. Now, this was hard, Amber, because... Oh, come on now. This, of course, we wasn't born during this time, so (laughs) the music was a little unfamiliar to me. Yeah. But... Then you hear songs like this, and you're like, okay, there's a lot of old music that's still around.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it has
1: stood the test of time. It has. Now, I was surprised to find out that Do You Love Me by the Coutures was Mm -hmm. a one-hit wonder. But that's what's beautiful about this show. We educate you, so... There you go, folks. The Coutures was a one-hit wonder. This is the song and the only song that they're known for. Do You Love Me? So we'll start the list off talking about the 1960s, and we'll start it off with The Coutures. All right, next on the list of one of the best one-hit wonders of the 1960s. This song is called Wipeout, and it's by the Safaris. The Safaris released this song, Wipeout, and what's interesting about this song, the biggest hit that they've ever had, was no words. It was all just an instrumental. (laughs) That's when you know you're good. (laughs) You know you're good when you can make a song hit the Hot 100 and not even say a word. Well, they say wipe out? But what's bad is this is their biggest <laughs> song ever. <laughs> now, this next song we've played several times on the show before. Uh. And if this doesn't get you ready for Halloween... Nothing, Will. Bobby Pickett sang this song called Monster Mash in 1962. This was a number one hit, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure it hits the charts every October. Oh,
0: you know it does. But
1: this is a song that you hear every year. It's become a cultural song. It's become a part part of pop culture. Oh, yeah. But not a bad number one song to have because what's great about... Having a song that's associated with the holidays is it comes around every year. Oh, yeah, And it can be reborn every year. And you get money every year from it. (laughs) I think about Macaulay Culkin. Oh, goodness. This guy becomes a star all over again every December. Every year, around the same time. And then he starts to die off again around February, Uh January. He starts to die off. And then all of a sudden in in November, December, he's hot and heavy again.
0: Yeah, it's like he can come out during the, the warmer months, but in the colder months, stay home. They played the Monster Monster Mash. It was a graveyard
1: smash. right, next on the list of one of the best one-hit wonders of the 1960s goes to Happy Day. Can you believe that? This song was a one-hit wonder. (laughs) The Edwin Hawkins singers are the originators of this song, Oh Happy Day. Arguably one of the most mainstream gospel songs to ever exist. And you're not a Sister Act fan, are you?
0: I'm not. Oh, but they feature it
1: on Sister Act, too. Well, they also feature this on The Nutty Professors too. <laughs> Clumps. <laughs> they do. <laughs> this is featured on a lot of movies. Oh, yes. That's why it's become a part of pop culture, and it is such a huge gospel, gospel song. It says here that... This was the first gospel song to hit the top ten. Now, the Edwin Hawkins group never did have another hit after this song. They had a few backup singles after this, but never enough to match the success of Oh Happy Day. But it's a song that still lives on today. Yeah, it's a good one. All of these songs, folks, that you hear you're still going to recognize because they were such hits. That's what makes one hit wonders. Being known for just one particular piece of work. All right, next on the list, and we're still on the 1960s, it goes to... Sugar Sugar... Sugar. Is the name of the song. It was released by the Archies in 1969. Did you know that the Archies was an animated band, Amber? It was, wasn't it? Yes, it was an animated fictional band. And the Archies was kind of like, for the 60s, they were kind of like... The monkeys, the seventies. Mo- yes, well, well, yeah. What's another like animated band? Uh, the, there's the Monks. Oh, they were I guess animated. What, what's another? Is there another animated <gasps> band? I know there's shows about bands. Well, I think Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. Um, I know California Dreams was a show about a band, but it wasn't animated. But yeah. but this this song come from an animated band. That's kind of cool. Not a, not a real band. And this song took up the number one spot for eight weeks. Oh, oh, sugar, sugar. The Archies went on to dent the top ten in America with the follow-up track Jingle Jangle. But Sugar Sugar remains the only song that really anybody knows. It's a good one to know though.
0: It just reminds me of Greg Brady chasing after that girl. To only find
1: out it's Marsha. Well yeah, you hear a lot of these songs in movies. A lot of that's where a lot of the that's why a lot of these songs still exist today. Yeah. What movie had this song?
0: Dirty Dancing. Hey,
1: hey, baby. Bruce Channel. Is it Channel or Chanel? I can't say it, so I'm going to go with Channel. <laughs> we'll go with Channel. <laughs> Bruce Channel sang this song, and what put this song such a big hit was... The movie, Dirty Dancing. Oh, yeah. Which, Dirty Dancing did not come out in the 60s. No. It came out in the 80s, but that's what's so awesome about movies. They can just make songs. They bring them back to life. They bring them back to life, and music really puts you back in that decade. Yes. I. It was so believable that they were in the 60s because they were listening to things like this. All right, now this next song also comes from the movie *Dirty Dancing*. This song was called "Stay" by Marcy Williams and the Zodiacs. I just love what they're able to do with their voice. There is no way I can do that. I can actually. (laughs) Why don't you stay?
0: You would do that on the day I bring my good headphones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually busted my own eardrum doing that. <laughs> it's weird that I can do that with my voice, though. That I can make my voice go that low. I have seen you be able to
0: impersonate so many people that it does not surprise me.
1: I Yeah. It's, <laughs> I almost let one out. but. Well,
0: A little
1: bit. No, okay. I'm
0: well, I lost my, my left ear.
1: <laughs> you gotta have fun with these songs, folks, because there's nothing else really to talk about when it comes to songs like this. All right, um, next on the list, and we're still in the 1960s. We'll go with this one right here. <laughs> This song was by Linda Liddell. Lindell. In 1968, she did a second session cutting the tune What a Man. Because she already came out with one song before this, so this was her second single. And the song reached number 50 on the Billboard R&B charts. In response to the release of her single, she received threats from white supremacist groups such as the Ku Klux Klan and retired from performing soon after that. Oh, wow. She remained out of the music industry and lived in Gainesville, Florida for the next 25 years. Linda recorded songs at Fuller Studios in Tampa, Florida in the 60s with Gene Middleton and the So Survivors. It's something, isn't it, that people can scare you enough to run you out of the business that you love. Oh, and especially like when you're good at it. She was good at it. I hate that. Getting death threats... Probably scared her. And you got to think, during the 60s, the KKK mm-hmm. was all over the place. Oh, yeah. They were huge. So it, it frightened her. I've known of stories of people getting out of industries they love because of death threats. I read a story one time of a new, a weatherman mm-hmm. who got death threats mm-hmm. from a guy that he, told him that he was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And it scared him so bad, and it shook him so bad, he quit. And this weatherman was a staple in the community. He was loved. He he got high ratings. Yeah. And and he was kind of like the secret behind the station's success. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was getting death threats, but it drove him out. He said point blank, it just wasn't worth it.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, that would kind of scare me if someone did that, and they literally had never met you. That'd scare me, too.
1: Well, kind of was getting death threats.
0: I well. Now, look. From the... They just don't know you got the secret sauce, <laughs> which is me. From the
1: Kentucky Wildcat fans. I'll run the D for anybody. So, while we're on that, somebody told me that they found the poll yeah. of, is Adam Bakes the dumbest guy in Kentucky? Yes or yes? <laughs> <laughs> but I still haven't found it. But they said there were some awful comments on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, if well, you find it, I want to see it, folks.
0: Don't send it to me because I'm going to start taking screenshots of people's names.
1: <laughs> right, because yeah, just call them out. Okay, but that, ladies and gentlemen, was the best one-hit wonders of the 1960s. Are you ready to hear the best one-hit wonders, Ember, of the 1950s? I am actually really excited about this well, one because I did no digging on this. Let's start off with this one. Noticed that you knew the words because you were over their lip singing it. Uh-huh. You told me not to sing on there no more. <laughs> Ronald and Ruby were the interracial pop duo in 1958. Ronald Gum and Black and Beverly Ruby Ross was white. Sadly, a biracial group was not widely accepted at the time. So Ronald and Ruby made no television appearances. And that may also be the reason why Lollipop was made more popular by the all-white girl group, the Chardes, or the Chardettes. It blows my mind how ridiculous people used to be when it come to race. People still are ridiculous with it, don't get me wrong, but people back in the day were so outlandish with it.
0: Very. I mean,
1: Little Richard, I think a Little Richard. Mm-hmm. A great artist but wasn't put on the map because of his skin color. Yep. And that's a shame. Could you imagine if people today still had that mentality, the talent that we would lose out on?
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm just... When you hear things like this and you hear people, especially, you know, like like the lady who sang What a Man, you know, Salt and Pepper went on to make how many millions of dollars off that song, and there she got scared out of the business. Yeah, And then here, you
1: know... This is
0: actually a better version of, oh, is it the Chantels or the, the,
1: the, yeah. something like that? Shortettes. Shortettes. It's untelling. I just see the name and I'm I'm spe- I'm sounding it out. Flying by the CD pants. Now, Amber, unfortunately, I've only got one more oh, song no. from the 1950s. I told you it was hard. Hence, <laughs> hence why it's time to put this topic to bed. Well, it was a good summer. It was a great summer. It was a great summer doing the one-hit wonders. But... I've got one more one-hit wonder to play from the 1950s. And, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to go to Mr. Bobby Day. This song was called Rockin' Robin, and it was made popular by the Jackson 5. But it was Bobby Day who originated the hit. He originated it in 1958, and it was a chart topper. He never did eclipse the success of this song. And it sucks that his biggest song ever is not even what people think of. They don't think of him when they hear it. They think no. of the Jackson 5. It's a, and I hate to say that because he's the originator, but that's a Jackson 5 song. But you had Michael Jackson singing it. Oh, like, you can't. It's a good person to lose to. Well, you can't compete where you don't compare. Now, did I leave any off when it comes to the 50s and 60s one-hit wonders?
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, look, I didn't even do any checking on the 50s. So these are these
1: are good. Could you imagine the 40s? <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: You want to talk about getting into straight instrumental, probably in the 40s it would be nothing but pianos and violins.
1: I'd say it would be. But <laughs> music, I'm a big music lover, and Amber is too, and we had a lot of fun. I really did enjoy the one-hit wonders. I do too. What was your favorite year, though? 1990s. Oh, man. See, I love the 80s. The 90s has to be the best. The 80s might be the second. Yeah. It was really easy to find one hit wonders from the times that we were alive because I knew the music.
0: Oh, my gosh. And we had such a plethora. We had an astronomical amount
1: to choose from during that time. And what's amazing about this topic, it really does show the difference Between just decades.
0: Well, and I think it goes to show people that, you know, just because you know somebody's name doesn't mean that they've always been able to maintain that type of fame. You know, you we have one hit wonders for a reason. And, you know, I think sometimes people forget that. They think, well, I'm just going to write me a song and be big. And it's like, well, those people thought the same thing, too.
1: Yeah. And that's like that with really anything. One hit wonders are not always just musicians. You can have a one and done actor. Oh, yeah. That just puts out a really good movie. And then it's done. And then it's done. And then, you know, you have people sometimes that they call it 15 seconds of fame, 15 minutes of fame. You have people that are famous for a very short time, and then all of a sudden they're not famous anymore. I think of old 90s sitcom TV stars yeah. who nobody knows of anymore. Yeah. like Like Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. <laughs> Where's he at now? Doing a podcast, ain't he? I'm listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> but in all honesty, where where is he? Like, I, I know he's doing a podcast, but but does he do anything? I, I think of Jaleel White, who played Steve Urkel. Yeah. He's not doing anything now. Well, I think he's in the Mary Jane business, ain't he? He might be. The purple Earth. He, he is. He is. And there's an Urkel doll (laughs) in in the building here. Yes. So, yeah, you're going to have to go buy We're going to have to stop over there. But that, ladies and gentlemen, was the one-hit wonders, uh, the greatest one-hit wonders throughout time. I hope that you enjoyed it, and I know that we certainly did. But stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. We still have lots more off the cuff coming at you live after these words. Four years, you think for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Off the Cuff, Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. It is the beginning of the school year. We've seen many school buses go by. Many people are starting school, whether it be elementary, middle, high school, college. It is just back to school. And I came into this song, High School Never Ends. It's an interesting song. It's by Bowling for Soup. Oh. And it's a song where they talk about high school never ending. Yeah. And he begins the lyrics of the song by talking about high school and all of the different types of people that can be found in any common modern high school. Like the stuck-up guy or the rude guy or the fake person. And all that he had to endure while he was in high school. Yeah. And... He goes on and he says that he feels that high school is similar to life thereafter. First, he references the social hierarchy yeah. that still exists today in our in our adult society. He talks about how people still worry about who is the best dressed and who has more friends and who has better relationships or who is the best at getting one-night stands, etc., he refers to the fact that just as in high school, everyone is constantly trying to be better than the next. So if we're wanting to talk about the rhetoric of high school never ends, that's this song pinpoints it. Yeah, That's exactly right. The things that we have to deal with in high school, mm-hmm. we think it's going to be over once we graduate. But no. the reality is is that it's not. We still have to deal with the same cliques, but just in different situations. Mm -hmm. He goes into the classifications that different groups, individuals are given in high school, like, think like the jock or the band kid, the nerd, etc. And he compares these social classes found in a high school setting to those that are famous to the entire world hence the entire world being one big high school. He's saying, like, Reese Witherspoon is our our prom queen. Yeah. Uh, Bill Gates is the captain of the chess team. Jack Black is the class clown. Or Brad Pitt is the quarterback. Yeah. Has there been a more truer song, ladies and gentlemen, than High School Never Ends by Bowling for Soup? I enjoy that. It's huge. But, Amber, it does. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't end. Like, we, we... know who the popular girl is in school. We we know what the jock is in school. We know these people and we know the person that has all the friends and we know the person that has the one night stands and that can easily hook up with people. What makes people think that disappears after high school?
0: Well, I think it's just you. I think people always like to tell themselves, well, when I grow up, I'm never dealing with this again. And, you know, you start out with all these intentions of like, you know, making sure everything is completely the opposite of high school. That's why you see a lot of people they come straight out of high school and they change everything about themselves. Yeah. They want to explore, see what's out there. And then what you come to find is that, you know what, it really doesn't end. It doesn't
1: end until you take yourself out of it. Right. Because you're going to have uh, the person who is considered the jock in your friend group. Oh, absolutely. You're going to have the popular person. That's uh-huh. considered. You're going to have the outgoing person. You're going to have the class clown. Mm-hmm. You're going to have those. And it's the same thing as high school. It's just a different setting. As a matter of fact, adults... Could have it a little worse. I would say definitely a, a lot worse because it happens in in the workplace. Yep, it happens just among friend groups. Mm-hmm. It just happens, and it's just something that doesn't end. And we're always comparing ourselves to others, just like people do in high school. Well, I think you said it best just then. You know, when you're an adult, you
0: have to deal with these types of environments, whether it be at your place of employment or with your friends. Whereas in high school, you know, you only had like a one big umbrella that was where you were and it's like when you come out into real life you've got multiple different arenas that are just like
1: high school Uh, like like the job yes and amber it can even happen in social clubs even places like church absolutely unfortunately it still can happen there's going to be somebody that just is more popular at church than you. I guess you could say it's an equal
0: opportunity hater. It knows it knows no un, unseen corner. It, that type of mentality follows
1: you everywhere you go. So to think that it ends after high school, we have to change that way of thinking. It doesn't. It just gets you prepared. Exactly. That's fair to say, right? Yes, 100%. It gets you prepared. And so you basically just have to dry your tears Pull your big boy pants up and 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 get stronger mm-hmm. and get stronger because we worship the famous just like the high school students worship the popular kids. Absolutely. So a lot of the famous people out there, if we're looking at the world as a big high school, mm-hmm. exactly, just like in the song, Reese Witherspoon's is your prom queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brad Pitt's your quarterback. Yeah, he's probably still the quarterback. Oh goodness. <laughs> but yes, and I just when I heard that song. I heard it again on the radio, and it made me start thinking of just the whole rhetoric of High School Never Ends, and it doesn't. And if you want to listen to that song entirely, I I think it's a great one to listen to because it it goes into – it's, there's no truer words spoken.
0: Now, you know I always take your opinions on music, so I'm going to take that one. And Bowling for Soup is a good one in general. I hadn't heard them in a while. Yes,
1: Bowling for Soup, and it's High School Never Ends. But kids going to high school, don't let that be depressing. That's just part of life. Go and learn. Learn from it. Learn from everything that you encounter. Learn from it. Nothing that you go through is a waste if you learn from it. Exactly. And... Even if it's a bad situation. If you didn't take anything from it, then you wasted your time. And that's worse than dealing with people with bad attitudes. But if you learn from it, it wasn't a waste of time and it wasn't in vain. But ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Off the Cuff to take its song of the week break. So, relax, enjoy, row down that window, and we'll be right back with a little Rex, Orange County, The Shade. Closing all the blinds Just so you could sleep Song and like That always just freaks me out Because it gives me no warning Amber um, Yes, so I wanted to I was sidetracked by the fact that Monkeypox has apparently Entered Fayette County
0: I know, I've seen that I think we've got one official
1: Reported case in Lexington Well, it says here That the case was listed as probable On Wednesday morning Ooh. But health officials told us Wednesday afternoon that the case is now confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, three other cases have been confirmed in Jefferson County. There are 13 probable cases in several other counties, including Montgomery. Oh. <coughs> Excuse me. Lexington's case is only the second to pop up in central Kentucky. While the state has the total number of cases at 17, the CDC lists Kentucky with 15 cases. Public Health Commissioner Dr. Stephen Stack has mentioned that there can be some reporting lag, though, with that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Just like we've seen with COVID, there's going to be, we're going to see numbers that are going to stagger in. So I'm sure that this is not the first we've seen of this number here in town.
1: So monkeypox, it's a thing going around. So let's talk about the symptoms. What are the symptoms? People with monkeypox get a rash, but they may be located, but that may be located on or near the genitals, which could be the penis, the testicles, the testicles. What did I say? The, the tentacles, the <laughs> testicles. It's probably way too many times to say that on the radio. Labia and the vagina or anus. <laughs> Be be professional here, and could be on the other areas like the hand, the feet, the chest, the face, or the mouth.
0: It is labia. I just wanted to correct. What did I call it? I'm not going to repeat it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the rash will go through several stages, including scabs before healing. Mm hmm. I hate when they're so vague with with that because because that could be like that could be a thousand different
0: things. And, you know, there's probably people who are hearing these symptoms be rattled off, and they're like, I got (laughs) monkeypox.
1: The rash can initially look like pimples or blisters and may be painful or itchy. It says here that other symptoms of monkeypox can include fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, exhaustion, muscle aches and backache, headache, respiratory systems such as sore throat, nasal congestion, or cough. You may experience all or only a few symptoms.
0: Well, I'm glad we covered grease last week. Could you imagine us playing... Uh, I got chills and they're multiplying <laughs> talking about monkeypox.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how they cover everything, like every symptom known to man they cover. Yeah, everything it possibly could be. It says sometimes people have flu like symptoms before the rash. Some people get a rash first, followed by other symptoms. Others only experience a rash. Now you may ask, if I catch the monkeypox, how long does the monkeypox symptoms last? They usually start within three weeks of exposure to the virus. If someone has flu-like symptoms, they will usually develop a rash one to four days after. Mm. Monkeypox can be spread from the time symptoms start until the rash is healed. All scabs have fallen off and a fresh layer of skin has formed. The illness typically lasts two to four weeks. So it's not permanent. Yeah. And I'm no doctor. hmm I instead dropped out of school to be a baller. <laughs> but... I don't think that this is something that would kill somebody, but you can get really ill from it.
0: Well, I mean, we just don't want to have massive outbreaks of, you know, any type of ailment. I'll just say like that, you know, in the communities. And
1: you can't hide the fact that you got monkeypox. With COVID, you, nobody can look at you, literally look at you and say you've got COVID, but mm-hmm. monkeypox, they can look at you and say you've got monkeypox.
0: Well, but are, are the sores, like are the rashes happening anywhere else other than in the... The, G- the, the general region on people?
1: and According to my notes, yeah. no. So it tells me that this has to be transmitted with physical touch. I think... Yeah, I don't think it's an airborne virus. No. I think that it's a physical touch, and probably to the point to where it it's not like if you maybe just touch somebody with your shoulder. Yeah. I think it's got to be maybe like a hug Yeah, or other things. Well... So be careful. Uh-huh. And... Uh, You know, just be vigilant and safe out there, folks, because you never know what can happen.
0: Well, and I think we do have, uh, I think the Fayette County Health Department is setting up uh, monkeypox vaccines. I think you can go on their website right now and schedule your vaccine appointment. I don't reckon. Yeah, you can. Monkeypox, COVID. Well, there you go. Vaccine for everything.
1: Well, there you go. I like that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take one more break because we still have one more segment to go. Stick with us. We'll be right back. back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Last segment of the hour. Hopefully I can get through this segment without getting emotional, Amber, because <laughs> my favorite TV show of all time had its series finale this past Monday. Better Call Saul comes to an end after 63 episodes and six seasons. My God, what a ride. It was the prequel to the famous TV show Breaking Bad. And some argue Breaking Bad as being one of the greatest TV shows to ever exist. And it's great. I think it's the number two show to ever exist. Because (laughs) number one, folks, was the prequel to Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul. And it's because of just many things. Number one, I've never seen a show do so well with everything. It was a dang masterclass watching that show. Watching the character development, watching the writing, watching the shots, watching the editing, the cinematography, everything about the show. The music. Everything about it was perfect. Perfect. The storyline was perfect. The character development, I'd never have gotten more involved with a TV character than I did the characters on that show. And what's amazing about those characters is that every character they introduced mattered. They all come back, whether it was season five, whether it was season six. If they debuted in season one, you might see him again in season five for the first time since. But every character mattered. Another reason why I love that show is because Jimmy McGill, who was the <laughs> character, uh, the main character played by Bob Odenkirk, aka Saul Goodman. Jimmy McGill made us root for Saul Goodman's success. <laughs> Amber, I know you were a fan of the show. Oh, you know it. Can you get a more likable character and a character you want to see succeed
0: more than Jimmy McGill? No, and and everything about him said, do not support this dude. And for some reason, each week we turned back in and we wanted Jimmy to
1: win. You rooted for his character. You rooted for him to get the girl. Mm-hmm. You rooted for him to get the job. You rooted for him just to win.
0: Well, to get the money and the success that he was so
1: desperate to get. We wanted him to have it. Another reason why this show was so great was because the female characters, they changed the game in this show. They, they, it, The strong female lead by Ray Seahorn, oh. who played Kim Wexler, was one of the best female performances in a TV drama I've watched as far as just character development and as far as making you enthralled with her character and who she was and, and her story. Because if you remember Breaking Bad, even Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold, the creators of those shows, they were shocked at how some Breaking Bad fans hated the female characters. They hated Skyler. Mm-hmm. They hated Marie. Mm-hmm. They thought that... They thought that those female characters were holding Walter back. Oh, yeah, I can see that. But instead, throughout this show, fans were more worried about what would happen to Kim. Would she die? Would she live? More than they was worried about what would happen to Jimmy McGill. Oh, you know that was me. I was there. Yes, and and that itself speaks volumes that it was night and day with the female characters. Breaking Bad, they hated them. Mm-hmm. Now, don't I'm not taking away the fabulous acting from Breaking Bad female characters. No, not at all. But 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 Ray Seahorn, she made the audience fall in love with her. Maybe more than than the lead protagonist. You know, I can get down with
0: that. She she is the embodiment of what it means to be strong and sexy.
1: Yes, and an optimistic end uh, happened, and it kinda gave Saul Goodman, aka Jimmy McGill, exactly what he deserved. Now, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not I don't feel like I'm even spoiling it because it's all over the internet. You get on Google, you see what happened. You got till Tuesday to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is this show was brilliant. I love the ending. I thought the ending was great. Can you get more just amazing than than the writing on that show? The The episode before it, what do they call that? It's not the season finale. Wiley knew the oh, word. Oh, man. Whatever that's called before the series finale of a show was a great episode. And then they followed it up with that series finale, and it ended everything perfect.
0: Well, I mean, it was not just the ending.
1: This whole season has been crazy. I mean, the wheels came off the wagon this season. Oh,
0: from the jump, from episode one, the wheels were already rolling on past the wagon, baby.
1: And people are asking; they're saying, "Should I watch this show if I haven't seen Breaking Bad?" Yes, yes, yes. You can watch this show and not watch Breaking Bad.
0: They have. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. As a person, now you've been with it since the jump. Yes. Now you. I don't want to say you conned me into watching it, but you kind of you Jimmy McGill be into watching <laughs> Jimmy McGill. Yep. And uh, you know, as someone who did watch Breaking Bad and then come on later to Better Call Saul, I kind of wish I wouldn't have even watched Breaking Bad, you know, because I already knew these characters, you know, of Walter and and Jesse, so when we did get glimpses of them, I'm like, well, I already kind of know. I I would almost tell people who've never really watched either of them, start with Better Call Saul first.
1: Yeah, start with Better Call Saul first if you've not watched any, but if you've seen Breaking Bad and you was a fan of it, don't put your fear out of your head that this Better Call Saul is not going to be as good as Breaking Bad. It's not only as good, it's better it's better critics agree with me better call Saul has a higher tomato meter score than breaking bad so breaking bad has a 96% better call Saul has a 98 okay and that's that's an that's a that's an improvement and the audience score it says here of the uh, publication trailed by Uh, TV viewers, it says that Breaking Bad scored a 96, but across all 97%. Okay. So, just a tad bit better. Well,
0: you know... I guess if I had to tell you why I thought it was better, because we both know why you thought it was better, it was just a better show. Uh-huh. But it gave you a lot of clarification on stuff that happened in Breaking Bad that I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't know who that is. You know, look, Better Call Saul gave us an entire, you know, we got the Nacho character, yeah. Which, oh my gosh, that no, that's what
1: got me. <laughs> and to think, and to think, the you they're coming off of this. A successful hit, Breaking Bad, arguably one of the greatest shows to ever be on television. Uh, These actors had their work cut out for them. The directors, the writers, they all had their work cut out for them because everybody was going to compare this show to Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. And they far exceeded expectations because they created characters – that from scratch mm-hmm. for the Saul Goodman Jimmy McGill character they yes. created him a brother they gave him they gave him a, a girlfriend they gave him uh, a, a nemesis mm-hmm. in Howard Hamlin and Mike Erman Trout who also was on Breaking bad he gets his own arc that tells his story yes in detail in better Call Saul and folks, I can't rave on this show enough. It is it is excellent. Should I talk about the ending? Oh, my goodness, you have to. I'll talk about the ending. Yeah,
0: you already gave a spoiler
1: alert. Spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. And we're at the end of the show. If you don't want to hear how this series ends, you <laughs> crank might, her off. you might want to crank her off really quick. But the way it ended was, you know what? I'm not going to reveal it. I don't want to reveal the way it ended. Other than it was satisfying. It was satisfying. It was perfect. People Fulfilling. Are, people, people said, are you satisfied with the ending? Yes. Every time I think I know what's going to happen, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, the writers, surprise me. And they say, no, this is why we're professionals and you're not. Uh-huh. Because, guys, I, I cannot... I don't know how they took this out of their brain and put it on film, but they did, and they far exceeded expectations. The greatest TV show to ever exist as far as drama goes, Better Call Saul, and it finally ended. You can catch it in its entirety on Netflix seasons one through five. I know that the sixth season might be about a year before it comes out, but once you watch the first five seasons, you're going to want to pay for a subscription to AMC (laughs) Plus to see the sixth season. Almost definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps up another episode of Off the Cuff for this week. If you liked what you heard, you can check us out on podcast because all of our radio broadcasts are on podcast at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can follow the show on social media at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. You can follow... The co-host, Ember, on social media at embu four four seven. You can follow me, the host, on social media at the Adam Banks. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Ember Turner. I'm Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff. We will see you next Thursday from four to five. We're gonna hit the old dusty trail, and we'll catch you down the road.